You're listening to Freud's Angels, where we talk about where the science of the mind meets the spirit of the heart. Each week, we'll discuss ways to create awareness of yourself and your reaction to the world around you today, as well as healing events of the past. I'll be bringing in both traditional and non-traditional psychology concepts, and I'll be bringing the healing through the lens of our heart and how to heal what we discover creating a powerful connection between what our heart needs and what our mind thinks we want. Now we're your hosts. I'm Amy. And I'm Vanessa. Now let's get into the show. Hello, our angels. How are we? We are on episode 44 and we're recording this on 4-4. So Vanessa and I just had a moment of like shivers, (laughs) goosebumps. And like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a great one. And (laughs) for those of you who are new to listening to us, welcome. For those who have been listening since day one, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We love you. So in this auspicious episode, Vanessa, what will we be talking about? Well, I mean, I feel like the discovery of this being like a four, 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 four is like, whoa, Um, because it is, it was going to be a magical episode anyway about, um, you know, just trying to dispel some of the myths about therapy and counseling and um, doing our part to erase that stigma and just kind of open up to the inner workings of, um, what therapy means to us, what our experience has been, what it's like to do the alternative therapies that we do and why. I mean, I just think it's a, it's, it was a brilliant idea to have that conversation of, um, you know, how are we separate from traditional? How are we non-traditional? What makes us rogue? And how does it fit in with our part of um, just kind of shattering that, that whole myth that that surrounds that therapy and, and counseling space of, um, you know, stigma and it meaning you're damaged and weak and, you know, just some of all that negative stuff that we, that we see flying around. We're here to knock that away, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, and, you know, when talking about the stigma of it, we, we think that, oh, because you're in therapy or you're in counseling, that there's something wrong with you. So, so much stigma from way back when, when, when psychology and therapy kind of came online, it was for people who had, you know, multiple personality, personality disorders, um, mm-hmm. some people who are manic, uh, some people who, you know, they just, they, they were just not okay emotionally and mentally. There was something wrong. So that's you know and if you i i I watch so many of these shows about what they used to do to these people that had these types of like you know illnesses or people who were just they just were like major depressive disorders like just not happy just depressive and you know and the things that they used to do like electrical shock therapy i mean are you kidding lobotomies they used to do lobotomies because they thought it was i mean I have watched so many documentaries on the, you know, the inception of like the treatments. And I am just like, holy crap. Yeah. We, you know, the torture that people suffered to think that they may, would make them better. Yeah. Was, asylum. Yeah. Asylum for, 
fascinating to me to learn about what they were doing there. I, I just, I, I think first, you know, and it's to me, I'm just, I'm all curious. Cause I'm like, you know, what do they do? What happens? Um, right. They're actually Vanessa being from New Hampshire. We both grew up in New Hampshire um, or mostly New Hampshire. And mm-hmm. you remember Laconia, yeah. there used to be a, a house there for children with disability, with mental disabilities. There used to be an asylum there and uh, there's a state hospital in Concord and, you know, different places, right. but there, but it shut down because funding, but yeah, the things that used to happen there, there's a whole documentary on it. It's really fascinating. On that place? Yes. Oh man, I need to see that. I, I, it's just, just it's because fast. of that whole link. Like, I really yeah. like that, you know, like Laconia, like we used to get on a bus and go cheer for the football team yes. against Laconia. Laconia, we know it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's where my that's where my parent, my mother was born, and her whole my grandmother's family was, and so it was like, oh, I know Laconia. <laughs> um, but it's it, so yeah, crazy. it brings it close to home because you'd see it in New York and you'd see it in like you know, but I think that over time, you know people still had that idea. And I think, you know, as we talk about, let's, you know, we talk about cellular memory, we talk about DNA, we talk about, you know, we're getting DNA from our ancestors. There's a belief that's still riding within us that there is the stigmatism on getting mental help. And, you know, it's like, like we're, were there something wrong with us? And what's perpetrated by so many things. I mean, I feel like, like the the there's the stigma attached to early you know for freud for to me <laughs> you know he's the, the father of psychology and when you look at his everything you know it's a it's it's wonderful that it evolved from there thank god it evolved from there but you're like whoa okay like you said you have to be really really sick to be seeing someone like dr freud and so the idea of that but then at some point there became this this drive to be strong and to be strong-willed meant to be emotionless and to to be perceived as a strong person you had to not have difficulties in life or to drive on through them you know like there so that I feel like the crashing of those two things just made like the 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 baby of well we don't get mental help unless we're crazy crazy like we can't walk down the street without hearing voices crazy right like that's like the hear that what people think of yes and, and that's that's so sad because I, I i resisted therapy because my father was a psychologist um <laughs> Well, I'm um, sure my daughter will do the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope not. I shouldn't say I'm sure. I feel like you know, <laughs> but uh, but I didn't start my therapy journey until probably around like 2004, 2003. Um, and at the time, I was married, living in Canada, and I needed some help. And I thought, and and at that point, and I had a lot of suicide ideations that wasn't going to happen because I had children and I just felt I had to be there, but there was thoughts and yeah. I was like, girl, you need some help. Yeah. <laughs> like I was like, okay, this is not normal for me. It's not a normal thought process, but I, I started suffering into that sense of 
you know, fantasizing about it. I'd have, you know, and so I did, I signed up for a counselor and the first one I had, I would say she tried to be non-traditionalist, but Mm. she was very much in the traditional type of therapy. Um, Mm. And I didn't connect with her. And, you know, and then she, cause she focused on not me, but my marriage. Yeah. Because that was the hot button issue at the time was my marriage wasn't well, it wasn't healthy. And so she focused on that specifically. And I'm like, I, I don't want to focus on that. I, it's part of my issue, but I want to go deeper, but we kept, we stayed on that surface of my marriage. And I just was like, and so I just stopped seeing her. I just, I, I just was like, uh, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> right. I don't want to talk about him anymore. I want to talk about me. Right. <laughs> How I'm an independent person from this marriage. Thank you. <laughs> and, and it was just so difficult. And so, you know, my first taste of therapy out the gate and I'm already like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah. And so I understand so for those have that experience. Well, yeah. And I understand those of you who have had that first experience and you're like, this sucks. I, I'm not doing this. I'm not going. And then the thought of having to go and tell your whole life story again to the next person. And it's like, I know it's daunting. Uh, but this, the second person I saw there w- was better. We, it, she dialed in a lot of things for me, but in the end, I ended up just leaving Canada. <laughs> I just moved away. Bye. Um, and then I didn't start therapy again until, um, until 2012. So from then, from like 2004 to, or actually probably more like 2005 to, uh, to 2012, I think that's, I, so eight years, I didn't have any therapy whatsoever. They were the eight years I probably needed the most therapy. Um, And had I had therapy in hindsight, I would have been able to maneuver everything in my life so much better. I probably would not have manifested the rheumatoid arthritis Mm -hmm. had I had a therapist because all of the major events in my life that happened, happened in those years. And, you know, and, and so major huge disruptions like of life, like leaving my children and moving away and divorcing my husband and, and, and and moving back home and then working and then getting sick and then having to reinvent myself, like dude, like major events. (laughs) I needed therapy and I did not, I did not seek it. Um, and it wasn't another thing too, is that again, like, you know, to bring it back, like you weren't mentally ill so no. it's not on the forefront of your brain that a therapist can help you with a transition in right. your life right <laughs> right like like is it you know because well and also I you know having a parent as a therapist or a, a psychologist and them using their I love my father and he meant I don't think he meant ill will but he used his psychology in order to manipulate the situations the way he wanted them to and that's, I think, part of the reason why I stayed away from it was because I didn't, I didn't want to be a part of it. And yeah. so I, I think that's where my stigmatism came from and my not the thinking, oh my gosh, talking it out. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until, gosh, 2012, where I really started to go to therapy and the, 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 the 
lifting of, of just boulders off of my shoulders and, and a sense of just the weight that I carried and mm-hmm. just the first five like visits, she did not ask me to talk about my life story and, and pin everything down for her. She just started talking. Where are you at right now? And she had, she was a master. She had a master's in psychology. She was an MA. She was, she was one of those people that you would think that would be a traditional therapist. Now she was in a sense of, she had all the tools, Mm -hmm. but she all of a sudden started using like guided meditations. She started talking to me in different ways that I understood. And I was, and all of a sudden it was just like, I just, I just released years and years and years and years of pressure and of thinking I had to carry this shit. And it was like, Oh, well, fuck. Why did I do this? Like <laughs> 10 years ago. And I was like, Oh my God. And I, and I just, I kept thinking to myself that like after the first month on the way home, like, this is important. This isn't about <laughs> depression. This isn't about diagnoses. This isn't yeah. about medication. For some mm-hmm. it is, and that's perfectly okay. But, yeah. you know, this is about me more than that. having somebody going to somebody and, and, and telling them what's happened or how I'm feeling and figuring out where it's coming from. Yeah. Why, what is the, what is the disruption that's causing this angst, anxiety, anger, sadness, depression, whatever it is. And Mm -hmm. why, why is it there? And, and it helped me understand myself better. Therapy is not just for mental illness. It's Mm -hmm. also for self-awareness. We talk so much here about being self-aware. Well, if it wasn't for therapy, I don't think I'd be as dialed in to myself in a way as I am now, because without it, you know what I mean? I, I think it was important. 100%. 100%. And I think, you know, like it, it, that's exactly it is that the, the communication of all the ways that therapy can help has been awful because of the stigma. And then, you know, me being on the inside, the red tape, the expectation, the, the way that the field has evolved in a, my opinion, a not great way. Um, it has perpetrated some of the fears that people have because of the, the the narrow box that a lot of us are expected to operate out of, you know, where you do go in and they have, uh, they have a sheet in front of them that they have to fill out. So they have to ask you about all of your past. And you're like, this is horse crap. Like, this is not like, I need help right now. People would say that to me all the time. Can we do this later? Because right now I'm just feeling so stressed and me going, I'd love to, I don't even want to do this at all. <laughs> to be honest with you, I want to have this as a running thing and I just plop stuff in as it comes up because organic conversation is so much better than contrived conversation but but I work here and I like to have a paycheck so we are going to do the checklist or we're going to do the whatever you know and and that's the thing is like I feel like not only did we have that we do we have the stigma of being weak and you know um, having to be very ill in order to go there's also you know, the belief system that it's going to be uncomfortable, the belief system that is going to be very robotic, um, that the therapist is literally just going to throw generic phrases at you, which sometimes, you know, we, <laughs> we do because they're important phrases, but um, a lot of therapists are trained to do so and to do specific um, techniques and that's it, you know, and that's, 
you know, worksheets and, you know, giving you assessment tests and all, you know, all of this kind of stuff. It's off-putting. I get it a hundred percent, you know, um, but the reality and what I'm seeing even more um, during this pandemic is the emergence of that person-centered um, therapy that, I mean, I've always connected to. In school, they make you pick a theory and I never could because I didn't believe in one as the way that I thought about people. I couldn't think of, you know, like I wasn't just one. It was always just, well, the person in front of me, I just think about what they need, what they came here for, what their pain is and how to change it. You know, like it is that simple to me, but a lot more, I see a lot more people emerging with social media and feeling comfortable within their skin and kind of letting it out there that like, yeah, we've kind of been trained to do this, but we need to see you as people. And this is the things that we can help you with. And people are starting to understand a little bit more about how long therapy is, how short it can be, what, <laughs> what you do in therapy, right? There's art therapy. There are people who literally draw with you <laughs> and yep. paint with you and allow your emotions to come out that way and talk about why you're using the colors and talk about what scene is in your brain. Like, I mean, there's so many different parts of what therapy does that it's not out there. And that's why I believe the stigma is there because we have, we have an understanding that our friendships and relationships are healing, but we don't understand that, that your therapy relationship is exactly the same thing, except you're with a person who has tools, trained tools, tools that are proven to be helpful that they interject that, you know, your average friend may not have. You know, they have support, but they don't have the tools. It's essentially the same basis of relationship. And so that means that we are there for you during a transition. I've seen people for four weeks because they found out they were pregnant and they were freaked out about it. And within those four weeks, we just stabilized. They became like, all right, like it, it brought, brought them to radical acceptance made a plan for what they were going to do. And then they felt great and went on their way because it was a transition that they didn't know how to handle a transition that they wanted specific support for. And that yes, is counseling and therapy too. It's yeah. not all about I'm depressed and want to kill myself. I'm anxious and can't leave the house. I hear voices. I mean, those are, <laughs> those are part of it, of course. <laughs> yeah. But there's so many other reasons to go. And there's so many ways to receive therapy. I mean, it's yes. unbelievable. You can go to a traditional therapist. There are, there are people who are very successful with a traditional therapist because their brains are analytical, because their brains work, they operate in a cause and effect and find a solution and apply it very simply. Yeah. And, and that's great. You know, that's great that there are still some traditional therapists out there that, that are comfortable in that role and are authentic in that role and are not being robots. <laughs> and then there are those of us that were being robots and now we're out and freed <laughs> and allowing ourselves to tap into all kinds of ways that people can be healed and to listen to the person in front of us and then find the tool. Yep. Not to just show up with the toolbox and say, you can only pick from this toolbox. Well, and if and it doesn't work, sorry. And it's also, it's also basically saying a lot of traditional therapy has a lot of great points to it. And a lot of the techniques are amazing to some people. And I'm so grateful for that. However, you can't always show up with the same 
it's like no one person's issues fits in the same box the same way yeah. every time. So mm-hmm. you can't come with this sense of a, a, a roadmap when you don't know the terrain of the road yet, so to speak. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. when, if you, if you're coming and you're driving in a Mercedes Benz and, but you, you need to climb mountains, you need to be able to quickly change cars in order yeah. to get over that mountain. And that's, yeah. I think to me, what a non-traditional therapist knows how to do really well is mm-hmm. that they're, they take cues from their patients. They understand, okay, today this person, she may need a little grounding. So let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's ground the patient because they're kind of spinning out of control or there's a sense of, you know, just different ways to redirect the client to find and the understanding of the situation to get them out of the high emotion. It's mm-hmm. so, it's so valuable, I think, to me to have a, a non-traditional therapist for me. Now, this is just me because I am not the same person every day. Yeah. And in mm-hmm. my growth, I do a lot of growing on my own. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of analyzing, processing. I self-therapy a lot. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and not yeah. just with food, but you know, it, and so when I come to therapy, I'm in a completely different space because I've, I've worked through a lot or something else has shown up and mm-hmm. I need that person to be able to react on their feet in order yeah. for them to know, Oh no, we can't do, you know, mindful yeah. uh, meditation is not going to work today. This person needs actionable steps. She's in an action phase. So let's yeah. make action steps, you know? And, and to know that you can't, I mean, the, the traditional scope and framework of a traditional psychology sometimes doesn't work with me because Mm -hmm. I'm not, I I don't fit in that. I don't fit in the box, so to speak. And I think that's for me now it's, it's worth trying. It's, it's friends go to a traditional therapist go to one and find out, does this work for me? And can mm-hmm. I connect? And I think that that's the next, you know, phase of understanding therapists is that you will connect with some and not with others. Right. Just like any other person. I mean, I feel like that's the thing is like, we're not superheroes, like in the sense that we are literally able to do anything with anybody. We are real human beings, just like you are. And we are not, it's just like any other profession. If I go to a doctor and I feel like the doctor and I don't understand each other, it's important for the doctor to understand me because it's my body and I need to trust them. I will find another doctor because it is that important, you know? And it's that same thing with therapy is that, you know, you're you're just because what we do is good and we are good at what we do. It does not mean that we have the ability to connect with each person that's out there looking for help. I mean, I would love that. I want to heal the world. I want to save the entire world. But when there's somebody in front of me that I know isn't connected, I'm like, I'm not going to be able to help you. And I know that and it's okay. And it's not because there's something faulty with me. And it's not because it's something faulty with that person. It's just because that's how humans work. We can't fall in love with everybody. We can't be best friends with everybody because that's just not how it works. Yes. And, you know, and that's, that's why knowing that about yourself, knowing that is, that's the intuitive hit. That's the, that's you standing up for what you know, and not forcing yourself to be in a situation where you're not comfortable because 
therapy comes down to being vulnerable, my friends, and how much vulnerable you want to be and, mm-hmm. you know, and how much vulnerable you feel safe in being. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it doesn't mean we're going to expose, like you rip open your heart and be like, oh, look, all this here, you know, it's about, it's about expressing the things that you may not express to others. I use therapy as like a safety zone of expressing and saying the things that I could not say to maybe a normal average person or a person who doesn't understand me because they would be like, you, what (laughs) they may, what you really thought that. And I'm like, because because you're working through it and and the tendency to when you're like, I hear so many times people talking about people being hypocrites. And to me, I'm like, dude that's not being a hypocrite that's I had a belief at this point and then I got more information and changed it that's growth man and in therapy that's a safe place people feel like I can come in on Tuesday of you know this week and be talking about how this is how I want everything to be and I can come back the next Tuesday and be like well I thought about it (laughs) I don't want to do any of that yeah and there's and I don't hold them to it like there's no responsibility whatsoever because the process is the is is the gold you know is is learning that process and getting through all of that and that me not feeling like i'm connected to anything as it has to stay that way nothing is nothing is static yeah and And it's static in a lot of our relationships a lot of people once they know us want to know only that version of us yeah i I, yeah and and I, like I said, all of us are different people every day. We, we're not the same human every day we wake up. Trust me, sure. you know, for sure. <laughs> for sure. So, so, you know, with, with that being said, you know, we talk about non-traditional therapy and, you know, like, can you describe Vanessa? What are some of the tools that you use in non-traditional therapy that a, not, a traditional therapist maybe wouldn't use? Like, what are some of the things that you feel that are set them aside from traditional? Um, well, I think that I allow for a lot of process and a lot of uh, other therapists that are in a traditional um, setting don't. They are trying to um, create, uh, and it's not their fault, like the, the treatment plan is is built in a certain way and you have to write it that certain way and you have to follow it that certain way. But it's, it's very uh, structured in meeting milestones at certain points. Um, the insurance companies want it, the, 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 um, the companies you work for want it to be able to track your progress, to be able to evaluate your effectiveness. Unfortunately, it, that's one of the measures. Um, and I don't use any of that. Um, my treatment plans are not at all (laughs) like that uh they're very much just kind of like here are the issues and you know we kind of dig into them the belief system and 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 changing them um i am very off the cuff which is off-putting to a lot of traditional therapists because they believe that you need a plan every time they believe that you need to have a focus and then you stick with that focus and i believe in client-led therapy. I believe that, like you said, what's put in front of me is my job to help untangle. I don't be, I don't bring to the arena what needs to be untangled because of what I think needs to be untangled. It's, um, that's not my job. I don't believe, and I don't believe I'm good at 
being that leader of <laughs> deciding what you need to work on today, <laughs> unless, you know, it's because I'm reflecting what you've brought to me. Right. Um, I don't use standardized testing of any kind. I don't use assessments. It's not something that people like about me in the traditional side of the field. You know, they believe that there's, there's weight there and I just don't. Um, I believe that again, that kind of, that it kind of puts people in boxes where they don't belong. There's a lot of information missing from those assessments um, that absolutely could change the outcome. The problem being though, a lot of people are trained to believe that, that um, the way to solve a problem is always through steps that are very hard and concrete and time measurable. And like, I don't do very well with that. So <laughs> there, there's literally, again, like it's kind of slow. Like if I were to, I guess, describe what my style of therapy is, is it's very flow therapy. Like my goal is to get you into flow and to keep you in flow and to, you know, um, decipher what is stopping you from being there. And then when we get there, encouraging the, the positive things that keep us there. Um, I also, uh, am pretty and and I think this, you know, it depends on the person in front of me, but I do bring, you know, some of that spirituality, you know, which is separate from religion. Um, you know, some of that earth element stuff that a lot of therapists will kind of maybe throw at you like, oh, you know, you should take a walk, but it's more for, you know, well, in, in DBT, these are the grounding steps, <laughs> you know what I mean? And not to sound like that, I feel like a jerk doing it like that, but <laughs> I mean, it is essentially that, but kind of bringing it to a more spiritual part, like to a more feeling, a body feeling part, a more um, opening up universally kind of thing. That's something that I bring that um, I never did before in traditional therapy. I use, I use terms like the universe and, um, you know, th things like that, that um, people don't do. I, I bring wonder to it. I bring magic to it. I allow people to hear the word magic and um, apply it to themselves. Um, I mean, I, I, I believe in strengthening from within. I don't believe in uh, following a, a specific recipe. There is not. There's pieces. It's, it's, it's almost like how, <laughs> just thinking of this now, Next to my stove, I have salt, pepper, garlic powder, and onion powder. Those are kind of the base <laughs> of most of the things that I cook. But depending on the recipe, I will add in certain other herbs and spices because of the, the flavor I'm looking for. And that's basically it. So I'll use the, the, you know, some of the same things on everybody. You know, we do talk about the past and how it affects us today. Some people, we talk about it a lot. Some, we don't. But then there are others that we add in that meditation um, and others who can't, you know, connect to meditation that way. So I'll bring in an earth element or something like that. So, I mean, it, it's, I could talk about this forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Like, I'm here for it. <laughs> it's so big yeah, because of the t taking myself out of the box. I'm no longer afraid of the, the, the come down on me if I'm doing something non-traditional, you know, I used to get in trouble all the time. Vanessa, everything can't be a process group. And I'd be like, well, those are the only effective ones. My psycho ed groups suck. Like to be, to put it plainly, my psycho ed, you know, like they're not engaging. They don't want to hear me talk at them. They don't want to do a stupid worksheet. 
they want to talk and be heard. And so that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and I'll get in trouble every single day. <laughs> but because I'm a process therapist, I'm a, fro- I'm a, I'm a flow therapist. Yeah, yeah, that's just it. <laughs> but I think, you know, it's funny because you talk about flow. I mean, I think that that's what connects people to their own flow. And I think that's how you teach people to be self-aware and you take them down the path and, you know, you're not ignoring that the fact that today that person's the fires may be more burning heavily over here on the one side and not so much on the other side, like they were last week. And it's about, you know, bringing that connectivity and that self-awareness to why did all of a sudden that start burning over here more? what, you know, where were you at? What were you doing? What were you thinking? You know, it's bringing self-awareness. I think that's a huge key. I mean, if you can teach people that, that's like, you're giving them the tools and the tools that you're sharing are not tools that are derived from this sense of like, oh, this is my job. These are the steps. This is the protocol. This is the tools. You're saying these are life tools. Use them have them take them from therapy and go practice. You know, if you, if you want to do a guided meditation, like, or you want to do some visualization work, go do it. Have fun. Exactly. Like the goal is not to depend on me. And I think that's again, like, you know, another, another point of contention that people have with therapy is I don't want to go to therapy for three years. You know, I don't want to commit to having to be dependent on going every single week to this person for the rest of my freaking life because I have so much trauma, you know? And it's like, I get it, dude. Like nobody wants to do (laughs) like, it sounds daunting. It sounds horrible, but my goal is never that I want you in and out as quickly as possible also, because it means that I'm effective at teaching you life skills that you are now running with. I want people to be self-aware and self-reliant. I don't want people to rely on me when I feel a codependence on me. That's my cue to look at what I'm doing. That's not that I, that, that creates that. What am I not allowing them to do? What, what, what part of awareness are we not at that this person isn't seeing their dependence on me, you know? And like, you know, again, to dispel that myth, therapy does not have to be a long-term thing unless you want it to be, unless you feel like it needs to be. For some people, it will be just because there is so much and, and, and life itself can be so hard and getting out of a, you know, a, a hole that you've dug may take longer. But man, I've seen people three times. I've seen people seven times. I've <laughs> seen people 16 times. I mean, and I don't try to keep you here unless, you're, unless you need to be here. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very self-driven, you know, or, or yeah, self-driven when, when you come to therapy with me. And I think a lot of places, especially that's not their goal. You know, their goal is overhead. Sometimes it's very yeah. sad. And so retention matters. And I'm just not here for it. <laughs> well, you're, but that to me, and it's not to say that traditional therapists don't feel this way, but to me, that speaks to your commitment to getting people well. And not to say that you're healing the whole issue, you're giving them enough tools to navigate through their lives or an immediate situation in a way that they feel confident enough that they don't necessarily need you week to week 
day, you know, that, that they can take what you've given them and, and, and continue that process and come back if they need help, but yet not feel that they need to be in therapy. And then friends, you'll have people like me. I do therapy once a week. I love therapy. It's a way to get the shit out of my head because the stuff in my head needs out. And if it doesn't come out, it festers and becomes this whirlwind and I spiral and derail and go off, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Which is, again, can we talk about that though? Who doesn't want a place to bitch once a week and just kind (laughs) of let it out so that you can put it back together the way it needs to be? Yeah. Yeah. Most of us can use that without any, <laughs> literally without any events happening. Right. Like it's like a safe place to blah, melt down and come back together. <laughs> well, it is. And it's a safe place to find perspective and, yeah. and, to, and, and to not rely on people, other friends to do that for me, because I don't, I would rather spend time saying, okay, what are you working on? How are you doing? Like, let's lift each other up. Let's spend the time having fun and laughing rather than talking about the shit that is our brain. Sometimes, you know, it's like, I would rather, you know, I don't want to have bitch sessions with my girlfriends. I want to have sessions where I'm like, yeah, you know, so I was, I was talking to my therapist and I had a moment and, but I'm so glad I'm at the end of that because this is what I realized. Like, I want to talk about triumphs and, and, and like understandings versus having to rely on someone to hold space for me to process my shit. They're not there for that. Your girlfriends well, what, are not your therapists. Right. And what happens is that they're, because they have good hearts and they love us they're going to push us in what what they believe is the way that is helpful yeah and it's a lot of times not pushing us to self-awareness right right a little bit of self-destructive maybe no (laughs) (laughs) well yeah because they'll validate us because they're our friends and sometimes validation is very very hurtful for us because we're wrong (laughs) yes (laughs) <laughs> hate to say it, but we are sometimes, um, you know, so it's like, and, and it gives you that sense though, that you can, you can speak freely. I love the fact that I can speak freely to a therapist in a way that's, this is really honestly where I'm at. And I, you know, I may be pissed at somebody, but I'm not really mad at them. I'm mad at the situation, but I'm, I'm focusing, I'm directing my projecting my shit on that one person because yeah. it's easier. Cause it's, it, you know, and I, I can take that to them and then unpack it so I can go, okay, I don't have to be mad at that person anymore. It's not their shit. It's me. Right. And to, yeah. to, to just really kind of let go of the weight. Cause we all take weight from somebody from situations, from work, we take the weight on. And a a weekly therapist session for me is like, okay, I can breathe again and I can refocus. And not only that, but here's the thing. I don't know if any of you angels out there suffer from this, but are you the type of person who, you know, who kind of like constantly pushes and pushes and pushes and you're just not quite ever where you want to be and you keep pushing yourself and you pushing yourself and you're like, oh, I'm not there yet but yet you never stop and turn around and realize how fucking far you've come and how much work you have done up to now and how amazing that is. I, I have a problem doing that. I have a problem seeing that sometimes. And I love that, that sometimes I need to get that from therapy. Yeah. My therapist will be like, hold on, stop talking for a second. Be yeah. like, okay. <laughs> and she'd be like, do you realize, 
Do you realize the things that you've done? Do you realize all that is behind you, all the work you've done, all, all the processing, all the healing, all the whatever's you've done? Do you not see that? And I say, no. And she says, well, I need <laughs> you to sit here and look at it. And it forces me to take and be like, oh, I did do a ton of shit. Oh, I am really far along. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm in straight up positivity denial right now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's like, let's not give myself like credit for anything or nothing, but yeah. you know. There's still work to do. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> don't celebrate till the work is done, which means never because work is never done. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So having that, oh, having that person to reflect that back and, and saying, I don't think you're, I, I think you're negating your win here. I think you're yeah. negating your growth here. And to, for me to be like, oh, to shift my focus on looking at what I have done. And that's helped me tremendously. Like when I'm having a week where I'm not okay and I'm not really present and I'm kind of struggling a little bit mentally and emotionally. And, you know, when, you know, maybe some days cleaning my house, cooking for myself is a win because that's the things I struggle with when I'm depressed. I don't want to do any of that. I just want to sit on my couch and watch TV uh, or sleep. And so when I do these like bigger event things, they're small, they're minor, but instead of saying, well, you didn't do anything today. I say, oh, but wait, I did all this today. And it could be, I did my dishes. I made my bed and I washed my kitchen floor. To me, on a day that I'm depressed, that's a win. Those are wins in my day. And and so I'm like, oh, okay, I get you. I hear you. I'm with you. And and to really kind of step into that space of, of, of recognizing and redirecting my thought process when I want to beat myself up. So that's what therapy helps me with. It helps mm-hmm. me with the day-to-day minutia of my want to beat the shit out of myself emotionally and mentally, but my, but, you know, it helps me redirect that and yeah. saying, nope, nope. And negating my brain and saying, brain, look at what we've done. Look. Mm-hmm. And the brain going, oh, okay. I, I, I guess you're, you're right. You're good. Right. You know? Yeah. And yeah. I think that that's so important for those of us who have a, any type of self-flagellation type of issue, like anybody who wants to beat yourself up for not doing enough or not being enough, you know, it's therapy is, it's not just about mental illness anymore. It's bigger than that. It's right. It's like having, it's like having that resource in your pocket that just is like, you know, you can't figure something out or work something out that you go, ah, I know where to take this. I have a tool. It's called therapy. Right. I mean, it's, it's, we're, we're the mechanic for your body, you know, like the, the, you go to, you take your car to a mechanic and, you know, have that, have that stuff worked out and you get your oil changed. Even when there's nothing wrong with your car, you do it because it's preventative maintenance. I mean, there's so many different ways to, to, to see that, that relationship with, with therapy being um, positive and taking it again, out of that space. Again, you know, like I get it, man. Like some people are worried about having a depression diagnosis on their, on their medical record forever, because, you know, it could prevent them from getting certain things. You want to work in the government, 
you're afraid to go to a therapist. I can tell you a hundred percent. I know people who work for government agencies that will not go to therapy because they believe they'll lose their security clearance. Yeah. And it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's absolutely absurd that that still exists because of diagnosis. And where did diagnosis come from? <laughs> Traditional the therapy. Need, Traditional therapy, the need to explain why somebody is getting therapy, usually for payment. Yeah. I don't write a diagnosis. I don't need a diagnosis because I, I get paid by my clients. My clients pay me for the services that I give them. They don't pay me to give them a label or I don't need to give them a label in order to get the money. Right. That's what I do when I work for an insurance company. And then I have to continuously write notes that explain how sick this person is in order to continue to get authorizations to see them. Which is shit. That's where that came from, people. <laughs> you are diagnosed not always because of the severity of what you're going through. You're diagnosed so that it makes sense for a company to pay your therapist. Yeah. That's all. Your and your therapist most of the time doesn't like having to write it down. Yeah. but also knows if I don't, I can't help this person. And this person in front of me came to me for help. Yeah. It's a catch 22. I'm not going to turn you away. I'm not going to give you a, a, a diagnosis that doesn't allow you to have sessions because then you won't get the help that you need. It's a, I mean, it's, it's horrible. And that's why like self-pay, <laughs> self-pay therapists love their job because they get to say, Hey, you just come here and we work through what you have. I'm not going to give you a label. I'm not going to make you feel like you have a lifetime sickness. I'm going to help you be well in this moment and going forward. And that's it. Good. Because that's all you need. You yeah. know, that's, that's really, it's really all we need. And if more people adopted that idea of just, even just working through life stuff. <sighs> yeah. It's process, man. If I could tell you how many people are like, they're talking and they'll go, Oh, like as they're talking to yes. me, I have yes. said nothing. <laughs> You know, like some people, because like, I see people weekly, I see people bi-weekly, I see people once a month. I mean, I really am. I mean, it makes my schedule a giant mess to <laughs> deal with, but because I care about my clients, I let them do this. Um, <laughs> but so some of them will show up after two weeks and talk for 15 minutes straight because they have so much to tell me. And as they're talking, they'll go, oh, I can't believe I couldn't think of that before. But right now, as I'm saying it, and I'm like, yeah. Cause you're, you're owning it to me. I'm your sounding board in this moment yeah. and your awareness of, yeah. of the words that you're saying today are hitting somebody else's ears makes you have a different thought process than when you're talking to yourself. And that alone is magic. Yep. I haven't even given you a tool. <laughs> how, many, <laughs> how many times have I said, we haven't even, thought, we haven't even talked about the tool for it and you yeah. already created awareness. Yep. <laughs> And how many times have I said, I talk myself into my own epiphanies? Yeah. Because Absolutely. speaking it out loud, not only does it get rid of it out of your head, you see it in a way you're like, oh, because in your head, it's biased. But when you're speaking out loud, the situation, your feelings or whatever, you just kind of, oh, it's like, it takes on its own form and you see it for what it is. And there oh. is sometimes and that's that's the great part about therapy is when i get to talk myself into my own like aha <laughs> right because as you're saying it i mean i our brains are a beautiful amazing machine there's so many processes yes. that go on that we have literally no consciousness of None. and part of that 
part of that is when our words are being spoken and we know another person is listening, there is an unconscious process that allows us to think of what that person hears. And that's where those epiphanies come from is yeah. because you're all, you're simultaneously hearing it as another person, which blows people's minds. But I'm like, that's what's happening. Because you, if you say it out loud in a room by yourself, you don't have to think about how it sounds because you already know in your brain, right. What you're saying it's true. You've decided it. You have, you're not thinking about other possibilities, but when you're speaking to another person, you're trying to articulate. So you're making sure that the words that come out are articulate. Right. And in that means that you're thinking about the other person's hearing. It's amazing. It's freaking amazing. <laughs> I it mean, is. I love the process so much. <laughs> that's the beauty of it. And that's the beauty of, you know, I think too, is, is being with a, a counselor that's very more open to that type of not leading you with questions, but allowing you to go off in your own awakening of, oh, because I know when that happens for me, like when that happens for me, it's all of a sudden, it's like, I get this shiver and like this sense of realization, like all the light bulbs went off at the same time. And like this sense of like, in my heart that I'm like, it, it almost is like the universe is like, listen a little bit harder right here. Yeah. And you hear it and you're like, oh, oh, that's it. That's it. Oh my God. And oh. it's amazing because then you feel, you feel so accomplished because you figured this shit out yourself. And rather than having a therapist tell you what is wrong with you, it God. is a magic. God damn. Can we talk about that for a second? Yes. I am not. Okay. To quote Tony Robbins, the great Tony. I love Tony Robbins. <laughs> I am not your guru. <laughs> That's the name of his Netflix special. Yes. You don't come to a therapist for answers. I cannot stress that enough. People are like, you got to give me steps. What do I, well, so what do I do? If I had a, an extra $10 for <laughs> every session that ended with, well, so what do I do about the anxiety? Or so, so, so what do I do to stop that? And it's like, okay, you're kidding, right? Because we just talked for, you know, 50 minutes about how you've got to think about these things because I'm not inside your brain. I'm not inside your heart. I'm not inside your feelings. This is a process. This is not a checklist. The, the people out there that are telling you 10 basic steps to defeating your depression are lying and trying to take your money because there are no 10 easy steps to beating your depression. There is no, here's your quick fix for anxiety because it's surface, man. If I, if I give you a Xanax, you're going to chill out. Yep. But whatever was stressing you out is coming right back once that thing knocks off because you haven't addressed the issue. Right. You have to address the issues. And sometimes it's not immediate and you've got to sit in it because that's where the answer is. If I give you an answer, if I tell you this is how it is, you have zero personal responsibility, which means the win is mine. It's not yours. Yep. And that is creating dependency. That is taking away your power. That is allowing you to live in helplessness. And I'm not here for it. Like my, it, it's, it's, it's so hard for people in pain to hear that. And I know it, you know, I don't always say it that way because it sounds really harsh, but it's hard for people in pain to hear that I'm not going to solve your problem for you. Yeah. But when they do find their way to it, they a hundred percent understand why I didn't do it yeah. because they feel that like, 
oh, look how strong I am. I, how, how strong I've become because I created this. You helped me because you pushed me along, but I created it. I had to be the creator. And it's like, yes, but in pain, you know, it's just like, help me, help me, help me, help me. You're, you're not helping me. Like, okay. Yeah. Because that's the belief. The belief is that I'm going to wave a magic wand at you, but I don't have a magic wand. No, none of us do. We could, we could, I could do a sweet meditation with you for, during session, but when we click off and your real life comes back at you, the anxiety will still be there because we didn't at all address what your, what, what your actual anxiety point is. Right. And I don't know it. You know it. We talk about it to get you to tell me where it is. What are you anxious about? What is your belief system? I don't know it. I cannot make up it. <laughs> I have to listen to your words, <laughs> try to conceptualize and bounce things off of you until you go, aha, that's it. That's exactly it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Bringing complete and utter ownership in your part of the situation. Yes. And yeah, that's oh, when you can go home, you think about this. If, if, you know, you thinking in your head, would you rather go home saying, yeah, my therapist figured out my problem? Or would you rather go home saying, I figured that shit out by myself? Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, gives you so much power to like, for the rest of my life, yes. I've gained the, the ability, the knowledge, the trust in myself yes. that I can do things, that I can figure things out, that I can work through my shit. That- I'm no longer a slave to the things that happened to me. Exactly. That right there is, I want to capture because therapy is not just so much you go to it, you get a service, you come back, you're good. It's a process and a development. If you're not, if you're not like looking for just short term, if, if you're in it for, for long term, therapy is about reestablishing the trust that you have with yourself that you can cope with situations that may be out of your control mm-hmm. and, and create the situations that you want. Right. You and giving you courage to recreate your life though on your terms, because we discover a lot about who gave us this belief, who gave us that belief, you know, why do we think this way? Why do we process that way? Why, why do we talk about ourselves in this way? You know, we, we discover all of that stuff And when we can see it for what it is and then make the shifts, we create an environment in our lives that's more equitable, that's open, that's kind, that's connected. I mean, when I, when I went through that process of, you know, and I'm grateful for my previous therapist who had hypnotherapy in her toolbox because um we we never even went in hardcore it was just light like like I was still conscious but it was light but it was enough to get me to go where I needed to go and when I reconnected and made a pact and reestablished that connection between my heart and my mind the world fucking opened up for me the world just all of a sudden became manageable like I could manage it I could take risks I could step into my power when I needed to. I could stand up for what I felt was right because my, you know, I had, my heart was speaking. My brain would listen sometimes. 
Other times I'd have to coax it into understanding and taking a risk, but there was sense, the sense of connection, connectivity. And I think mm-hmm. that as we go through therapy, especially long-term people like me who love it, it's a bit of a drug for me. Um, it, it reestablishes those connections to that authentic self, to that true self and really dialing in what it is I want in life and how I want my life to look. I mean, guys, I, if it wasn't for therapy, I don't know that I would have had the courage to do the second time, just move my shit. If it wasn't for all of that work and the fact of having therapy and doing the work myself, taking responsibility for my actions and myself and really dialing into and allowing my heart to speak forth. I don't think I would have had the ability or courage or fortitude in order to do a big move again. I, I couldn't, I couldn't. And it's not to say that's what everybody's working towards, but it's right. taking those big risks in life. Like for example, you have an equitable side gig and you want to make it into your, your, you're not your side gig anymore. You want it to be what you do. And it's mm-hmm. taking that risk and stepping into it in a really great, healthy way. It's taking risks of, Maybe you decided you want to date again because you've been doing a lot of work about how you react to relationships and you feel you're ready. It's taking that big step, that big, because you're trusting yourself that you can handle what comes. And you also know that if you're not sure how to handle it, you have a resource. Yes. Yeah. You have a tool. Mm -hmm. It's therapy. Absolutely. So when we're, when we, you know, when we talk and hear about people going to therapy or people, you know, having therapy, you know what, tell them how fantastic that is that they're doing that for themselves because it's amazing. Don't automatically assume, Oh, what's wrong with you? Especially when it comes to the male gender. Yes. Or even the non-binary gender. You know what? If you go to a gym and get a freaking personal trainer and start working out your body and a year later you look beautiful, wonderful, we start, we'll praise you for that. And it's just, and it's, and it's, it's physical and kind of vanity based. Why would we not do the same thing for somebody who is creating a greater person, a greater version of themselves? Why would we not think of it that way? Like I used to use the term emotional gym, like that therapy is like going to an emotional gym. You are building emotional muscles so that you can be strong, so that you can face things, so that you can pick things up that are heavy and make them feel light spin them around, look at them from all directions because it's not heavy anymore. It's light. you you have the tools, you're strong, you're able to do it. It's the same damn thing. And men, my gosh, <laughs> it's like a whole, we could, we should do a whole other podcast on men's emotional health. I think it would be a hundred percent. It's it's a hundred percent necessary, but I think we could absolutely talk about it for that long yeah i do want to plug uh, i don't even know who the dude is that has this website but i found it on facebook somebody had shared it and i shared it out um it was mantherapy.org and it, it had me in hysterics just the way like the little snippets and the little memes that he had on the front page because it was very it was very um joking yeah in like the you know terms that a man a typical man would understand to try to basically coax them into believing that therapy is a good idea to try you know and and he's brilliant because all it takes is that one time 
Yeah. You know, I do have a few male clients and I'm so friggin' proud of them, but they love coming to therapy. They love, they never miss. I never worry about my male clients missing because they're getting something that they never knew was accessible to them. Yeah. And, and probably reaping the rewards of, you know, it's, and, and, and why, you know, why are we like, you know, talking about men It's because men is stick. It's stigmatized. Big. We are coming from the generations of men going, men do manly things and take care of the house. They don't emote. They don't cry. They don't do anything. And it's like, okay, you're teaching a child who is a full of emotion is a bag of emotions that they don't do that. Well, what the fuck am I supposed to do with it then? Right. Like, cause I'm doing it. <laughs> cause happening. I'm feeling it. Not only is it making them feel shameful that they're doing something wrong because they want to cry their eyes out, but it's also stifling the urge to talk and express and emote how they feel. And it's not to say that, you know, the reason why women have such a hard time is because they, they're just, they don't know how to talk about it. They've never been taught how to say, I feel very angry right now because because of this or because they I'm just because I'm hurt because I'm embarrassed right because oh, I, yeah and and then because so they I'm get mad and they themselves. just go punch walls and th- holes in walls and stuff yeah. like that's a great way to handle your emotions <laughs> right but that's the manly way look how mad he is it's right he punched a hole in the wall like no to me I'm like that's not how mad he is that's how much he has nobody to talk to and nobody who yeah. understands him and no way to express himself other than physically yeah. that's dangerous yeah. for him and for everybody else <laughs> yeah makes me want to cry half the time because I'm like oh dude because mm-hmm. I because I can just see the trail of suffering from being a small kid up to now as an adult is not being able to say how you feel and get your point across without using physical violence and that's yeah. You know, it's, it's, we need to, do, we need to, I'm writing it down so we don't forget. We need to do a podcast. On we this do one. because guys, even non-binary people who have that yeah. same struggle, you know, I, I'm telling you, I, 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 I'm, I hear you. I hear you. And I hear the stigma that's wrapped around it. And I hear, you know, I, I've seen it. I've seen it in generations and families about you just, you know, especially fathers who were in the military because they were taught not to have emotion, but the term man up, I know (laughs) it's like, you know, it's like that Betty White was, you know, would she say, why, why do you call weak person pussies? They're one of the like strongest part of the human body. They give birth, man. And then it's like, you know, look up the quote, you'd laugh. But anyways, it's, you're you're allowed guys you're allowed to be happy you're allowed to go through life and feel emotionally balanced and i know guys tend towards the logic side of life but you still have emotions you're a human being Mm -hmm. and you're you're entitled you're entitled to be able to articulate them and to get your needs met as well in a sense of an emotional and a mental arena um and to have that understanding of what they are so that you can share that with your partner. So there's an understanding you have that right. You have yeah. that. It's, it's, it's like, it's human rights right. to be able well, to have emotions. Has, right. And like, I tell people this and I, I mean, it started with telling men this because I mean, I feel like they were the ones that needed to hear it, but nobody needs to know that you went to therapy. That's private. Yeah. There's a whole freaking 
medical hip, HIPAA yeah. <laughs> is made for medical diagnosis and mental health diagnosis. It's nobody's business what you do with your body or your brain or anything like that. Exactly. You don't have to tell a soul. It's great to tell. I mean, I want people to feel comfortable doing it, but if that's what's stopping you from going to therapy, then do secret therapy because yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's not worth it. It is totally not worth it. Nobody needs to know where you are for an hour a week. It's not their business. If you went into the bathroom for an hour, you, you know, like you wouldn't feel the same way. So allow yourself that space, make it secret. If you need it to be secret, it's about you and feeling good in your skin, feeling good about your life, creating the life that you want and not feeling stuck in the life that you've previously created for yourself. It's, it's on my business cards. <laughs> it, it, Wayne Dyer, again, you know, we, we know he's my homeboy. Um, one of my favorite quotes from him is you aren't stuck where you are unless you decide to be. And that's what I think of when you refuse therapy, you're telling yourself that you you're accepting where you are and you don't want to change yep. anything about your, your surroundings, but you can. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, and a lot of times, you know, we, we, and, and let's, let's go dark for a second. So, and, and we're, we're close to finishing, so I won't belabor the point, but we want to talk about shootings. We want to talk about school, like these school shootings that have happened, not recently, but before what's happened recently is a whole nother conversation, but like some of the school shootings, I guarantee that had even their parents had the ability to emotionally process and that, leading the kids to be able to emotionally process or even having the kids in therapy to help them deal with some of how they felt it shit like that could have been preventable. Mm -hmm. We look at that person as the perpetrator and we don't understand that there's a history. They mm -hmm. don't understand that there's some, there's something behind it. There's a reason that person feels that that's okay. Mm -hmm. And usually it's because of unattended emotional stress unattended emotional discourse when they're being told to man the fuck up man up what do men do create destruction when they're in high and high emotion the highest suicide rates since forever are males yep. since forever <laughs> yes so they're not taught to process emotion i really think that we need to start not only allowing our children to be able to process emotion and not stamping them down but those of us who are parents or adults or whatever or even just yourself even you're you're 18 and you're like i can't connect with people emotionally because i don't know how sign up for therapy I guarantee a couple of sessions you'll feel like a completely different human you'll begin to know what it is to be connected to another individual you know guys you always complain how you don't know what we want if you were able to connect with the emotions you suppress, you'd be able to figure it out. You'd be able to take cues and know exactly what another human needs or another guy or friend or mother or father or spouse or child needs because you have a connection to your emotional well-being. That's why men are so broke. <laughs> they cry. They have such a emotional response to having children when their wife gives birth is because it's the only place that they feel it's okay for them to emote like that. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm telling you, like I have it written down with a big old star. 
This is a whole can of worms that I cannot, I can't <laughs> wait to open up with you, Amy, because I think there we have the ability not just to talk about that psychological, but that metaphysical world needs a lot more men too. <laughs> we need to get some men <laughs> sitting in some 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 spirituality too. We need some men getting in touch with the universe and allowing that that contact because yeah, I mean it's a whole <sighs> I know. <laughs> therapy part do. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Like the therapy for men or you know, yes. just healing for men. Like I, I think, yeah, and they deserve it. They have it's been I think right now is a good time for it too. You know, we've got we we have a, a feminine uprising. And men are like, well, where do we go? <laughs> and, and we don't want that. We actually don't want that. And I and so. I think that I think it also, you know, having that awareness would also give men the ability to understand why we're uprising. <laughs> A thousand percent. Because yeah, I'm like taking that out of it, you know, taking 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 the ego out and being part of it, being part of the collective of together. Like yeah. this isn't one one versus the other. It's it is actually supposed to be a collective. <laughs> yes. Hey, how about that? <laughs> but yeah. So you know, all in all, I think hopefully listening to this podcast, our listeners have kind of gleaned, you know, an understanding for non traditional and traditional therapy, <laughs> the reasons to go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the ways that you can, meaning in secret, <laughs> you can go in secret if that makes you feel good. But you know, just just that little bit, that little bit of insight that I think you know all of us wish that we had prior, you know, so that we could we could have started living these magical lives a little bit earlier. I mean, I don't, I, I don't. Our journeys are our journeys, yep. but if we can save somebody in their early twenties from going through a hellish thirties and having a magical life that way, that'd be great, you know? And so hopefully by listening, people are feeling a little bit more contemplative about what therapy could do for them and at least trying it out. Yeah. We're just inquiring, you know, Hey, if you have insurance and just see what your benefits are. I love that. I have most of them, most insurance companies, except for Medicare or not Medicare, but um, Medicaid, I think it is most insurance companies have shifted over to having unlimited therapy that you don't have to get authorization for 10 sessions. You don't have to, unless it's EAP, you don't have to get any authorizations anymore. You can just show up and sign up and you're good. And most, a lot of insurances have turned to that because they realize the benefits of mental health, uh, which yay. So, and I hope I encourage other insurance companies to do the same because I have enjoyed being able to go to therapy year round. I think, methinks, that possibly <laughs> doctors of psychology and doctors of medicine have realized how their worlds actually do clash. Yes. <laughs> that a healthy mind creates a healthy body. <laughs> Therefore, the insurance in the end pays for less. <laughs> yes. Yes. Let's pray. Pray that that is true. I mean, I think, honestly, I think, you know, with all the talk about stress hormones and that kind of thing, I think, I I, honestly, I think insurance companies are like, wait a minute, (laughs) if people are healthier in their brains, they're going to eat healthier. They're not going to probably smoke cigarettes to calm down or do all these other things that make them unhealthy. And then we have to pay the bill for it. Right. Oh, 
Interesting. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's have go to therapy. Yeah, right? <laughs> let's well, give more therapy, therapy benefits. Cheaper in the long run, guys. <laughs> the only doctor I see is my rheumatologist. And even then I'm like, I don't ever go to the doctors because I have therapy. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I go for my annual every year and otherwise I'm pretty healthy because I really try to make sure that my brain is keeping my body healthy. Amen. Amen. Well, angels, I encourage you, give it a think, mull it over, think about therapy. If you have questions about what it would be or how much it would cost, connect with Vanessa. Vanessa, is there a place you can land them if they want more information about your therapy? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I have my website, which is vanessaperry.net. I also have uh, my Facebook page, which is Vanessa Perry Counselor, facebook.com forward slash Vanessa Perry Counselor. And I can also be emailed at vanessaperrycounselor at gmail.com. Nice. Okay. And I will also put that information in the uh, description of this podcast so that if you didn't have time to write that down, it's, it's going to be there for you. Um, or just email friends, angels at gmail.com, reach out to us. I'll get you to Vanessa. If I get the message, um, just, you know, where to find us, but if you're curious and you don't really want to, you need a safe place to go. Vanessa is that girl. Um, yeah. And we hope that you've at least had fun with us today. And we will talk to you again next week. Love y'all. Thank you for joining us on Freud's Angels. We are thankful for each of you opening up your heart to us. To continue the healing, connect with us on Instagram at Freud's underscore angels and on Facebook at Freud's Angels. Please subscribe to the show so that we may help you continue your journey. And remember to give us some love in the review section. If anything we've talked about today has triggered an emotional or mental crisis, please call 911 or head to the nearest emergency center. And always remember you are loved, you are worthy, and the world needs your light.